the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Southern California Live, or welcome to Southern California Live. Maybe just got off work, just got in the car. It is raining in our atmospheric tsunami or whatever is going on above us. And I'm just going to increasingly uh, make that worse, whatever yeah, whatever it is. Anyway, hopefully you'll drive safely and uh, just be in prayer for each other as there are a lot. I had several. Uh, I didn't have accidents myself coming to work today. You could probably take that in the wrong way. I did not experience any car accidents myself, but I saw many car accidents on the way home. Uh, so be careful out there on, on the way home, on the way to work. It's home. I feel like home here. It's not the same. My family's not here. Speaking of my family, uh, and I don't mean uh, you guys, you know, Wilbert, you're my family, and uh, everybody I work with here, Jared's answering the phones today, and uh, we're family. But it's not the same as your family family. You know what I'm talking about. My uh, One of my sons is on an eighth grade trip. Did you ever take an eighth grade trip? You know, uh, his eighth grade trip, he's in Washington, D.C. right now. And they're going to Washington, New York, and Boston, and it's a history trip. They're checking out all of the historical sites. It's unbelievable. I wish I could go. And I'm surprised that this is even something that's possible. We had an eighth grade trip. I remember my eighth grade trip. You know what we did? We went to the La Brea Tar Pits. That's what we did for our uh, our eighth grade trip. That was uh, it was uh, it was a day off of school, so that part was really good. You know, I think it's a as a as a parent. When you think about kids, it changes you quite a bit. Um, and it's hard to explain that. Whenever I first, uh, when we announced at our church that we're going to have a child, and uh, Christy and I waited a long time, there was, we thought maybe that we had some problems, but uh, we didn't. It just took a long time for uh, us to have a kid. We were married eight years before uh, James, our firstborn, came along, and for no particular reason. And um, the, Somebody came up to me and he said to me, your life's going to change. And he kind of walked away with this maniacal laugh, <laughs> you know, and uh, he couldn't have been more right, though. I think about that comment often because things just change, but they change for the good. There's a whole conversation out there today about why you shouldn't have kids. There have been some famous people put out some videos or put out some comments about how glad they are that they don't have kids because you can just kind of go and do anything or you're happy that you're not having kids because what a terrible world this is that uh, people are growing up into and this and that. There there could be, in my opinion, nothing further from the truth. Don't let people let you think that. But I think part of this is that our society has changed in our attitudes about life, about marriage, and about kids. And some of what is happening today that I think is hurting our kids, we can, you know, that conversation, unfortunately, can go in a lot of directions today. You know, it's, it's pie day today. You know what that is? It's, uh, the, it's 314, right? That's the, uh, the first uh, couple of decimals of, of 
uh, pi, you know, the, the circle, okay? There's probably a mathematician who can explain that better. But it's pie day. Perhaps you had pizza for lunch or perhaps you're having some kind of pie for dinner and it's, it's International Pie Day and people do different things related to that. 314, it's kind of fun. Um, and there is a reality, though, in if you look it up, the um, results of test scores among kids in education uh, is way down since 2020. In fact, the mathematics and reading assessments uh, that are taken nationally, the National Assessment of Educational Process Progress, um, it's a disaster. It's down in every state. Uh, there are some states that uh, it didn't go down that much. Uh, Illinois and Alabama, for example, uh, it didn't decline that much because it's already terrible. It's not that much more you can go down. And uh, most of the uh, most states uh, saw a significant decline over the course of these years. And part of it was the homeschool, uh, not the homeschool, it's wrong, wrong phrasing, I think, but the, the what do we call it? We called it uh, distant learning. Is that what we ended up calling it uh, when you had to stay home with the Zoom and you found out what your kids are really learning in school? Um, and it's pretty terrible and it's outrageous. You know, I think we should just be as a... As a country, we need to be outraged at how bad the education is. And I mean, it's it's a hard the, – the education thing is a hard question because I think we get defensive about whatever it is we're doing with our kids, right? I learned that whenever my kids got old enough to go to school is I was surprised at the hostility that people had for each other um, when they made a different decision about where their kids should go to school. Have you experienced that? You know, uh, you can join our conversation, by the way, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I mean, if you go to public school or you go to private school or you homeschool or some combination of all of the above, you know, you make a decision as a parent where to send your kids. And it's such an important decision that you want to be right, right? And, And, you know, people just go a little crazy. Uh, about that. I understand that. And I have very strong opinions about it. Um, You know, I think that there are things that um, parents, you know, we should we should be aware of. And, you know, those numbers, those are national numbers where the education is going down, um, where our students are not learning basics, math and English. And, you know, in the last hour we talked about reality. I want to talk about it a little more this hour, too. The idea of reality is that if you do not learn how to do math and you don't know how to do uh, basic, you know, science and English and the base, basically learn how to, to read at an adult level, you are going to be hampered for your whole life. There is no way around that question. None. And the idea that we would lower standards instead of find a way to redo our education system um, is outrageous. The idea that we are, I think, in some cases, seemingly more about graduation and rather than education. There's a big difference. Somebody pointed out to me, it's probably not exactly, doesn't exactly work, but I think it kind of works. They pointed out to me that America sent astronauts to the moon, and we did that on an eighth grade education. Now, what they mean, they don't mean that all the scientists who did that had only an eighth grade education. What they said is, as a country, we defeated the Nazis. We got through all of this stuff. We sent people to the moon. We developed all this technology that we did in the 20th century. And the average American only had an eighth grade education. But the eighth grade education back then was a better education than it is now. 
as far as people's ability to handle the language and basic math and things like that. Now, that doesn't mean that some people aren't extra educated. Some people are, but you know, think about that for a minute. And it's the education that matters, the actual learning, the actual understanding of tools and being able to use those things. It matters greatly. And, you know, and, and saying all this, by the way, you know, I'm a proponent of, uh, of private schools. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think homeschooling, I think you have to do something. If you're stuck in the public school, you got to do something. And, you know, one of the things that you can do is you got to support your public school. You got to be involved. You got to be supporting your Christian teachers in the public school. And regardless of what you do with your kids, we can't, you know, public schools are inevitable. They're going to happen. And, you know, one of the fears of people leaving the public school to go to private school is that it's just going to make the public school worse. You know, that's possible. But hopefully what it does is it brings competition to the public school. Hopefully enough people pull out so that the public school says maybe we shouldn't be uh, spending all of our time on uh, whatever these weird philosophies are that we're trying to teach the kindergartners about sex and men dressed up as women. Maybe we ought to be teaching reading and math and science. 55 Chicago school, 55, all 55 Chicago area grade schools, none of the kids have proficiency in math and English, zero. That's, that is outrageous. Uh, that has to change. And as a parent, you know, you, you got to get out of it. If you're in uh, the LA area, our, our radio station has a program um, that I just want to make you aware of. And it's, uh, they'll pay the tuition for your first year in a private school, private Christian school. Go to kkla.com and uh, click the link on there that uh, talks about that. And, uh, you know, it's a great program for that. So just as we talk about education, I want you to think about it. It's called, it's the half price tuition link. So click on that, pick a school. And uh, the program actually is great. It gets you started in uh, private school. Um, and maybe your thing is homeschooling. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's for us, but there's all kinds of options. It matters to do that. And I think that everybody actually can do it. Now, if you are somebody who feels like you, you can't or you want to stay in your public school, what you have, to, you have to do this. You have to be involved, and you can't just assume it's just other schools. You can't just assume it's other school districts. You can't you – know, this is what people do. We do the same thing with our Congress people, right? Congress has, what, a 13 percent approval rating? I think it up to 14 percent. And people were cheering this the other day. Oh, Congress has a 14 percent approval rating. Well, that's terrible, but it's twice as high as it was before. Um, you know, we do that with our schools, too. Well, my neighborhood has good schools. Really? What's the philosophy? What happens to your kid when they get out of school? When they go to college, what is it that happens if they go to college or if they graduate? What's the philosophy that they're carrying with them? You know, what is it that they understand about the world, about uh, sexuality and genders, about global politics, about the history of the United States, uh, about all kinds of things? Can they actually read or did they just get pushed along through the system? I mean, you're proud of them for graduating, but if they graduated and they only can read at a third grade level, they're going to struggle. It's just a reality. They will struggle to maintain a job, to get a job, to put together uh, stuff on an application, their information. I used to, uh, my first pastorate, I was called the career pastor, and it meant young adult pastor. Most churches, if you have that role, it's a young adult pastor now. But back then, it used to be in the 90s, it was called career pastor, because this was back when people had careers. And uh, I don't know if they do today, like people change so often. But And the funny part, though, about that was that if you didn't know what it meant, 
you thought, well, maybe this is a pastor who's going to help me get a job. So they'd send me resumes. So once in a while, I get from church people, it's a big church, I'd get their resume. And you know what? If I had time, well, I'll go through your resume and I'll read it. And some people's resumes were horrific. And I thought, you're not going to get a job anywhere. And sometimes these people were already in college and none of the words are spelled right. It's like you didn't even use spell checker. You didn't even take the time to make this look kind of halfway decent. Uh, and it was it was frightening. And I, I worked to help people. And there was somebody at the church who just loved to do this, you know, so I could pass them along to her and she would sort of help people. That wasn't really my job, but I noticed how dire things were. And this is 25 years ago. 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. And uh, let's go to the phones here. Rudy and Brea, welcome to Southern California Live. Thanks for taking my call, Scott. You're welcome, Rudy. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Go ahead. It's uh, nice and rainy today. Yeah, uh, it is. But, uh, try, you know, uh, trying to stay safe on the roads. Anyway, I got a... Say uh, something. I'm a product of uh, public schools. Um, I went to a really nice uh, district and um, graduated, you know, above the 4.0. They had plenty of uh, AP classes that um, they offered. And uh, my wife, she she's a product of uh, private schools, and she, uh, you know, they had. There's some stuff that I talked to her about, and she didn't even learn some some you know history or you know they the the courses uh, they offered wasn't they didn't offer as many uh, advanced courses there at the private school and it just I'm just I'm just calling to remind you it, it, it kind of depends on the public school because the reason my family moved to uh, the area where we did move was because um, my older siblings my parents put them in private school and it was expensive. Yeah. So why did your parents do um, that uh, for them? Well, they, they moved to the uh, nicer area because they wanted the public schools so they didn't have to pay for a, a good education. I see. Because they knew that the, the inner city schools, the, there was less um, drive for, yeah. from the, from the city to make that, that school district better and they knew that the the better public schools were in the suburbs, basically. But um, it it really I just wanted to you know yeah. call in if I if I had the chance to to move to that neighborhood again I'm not you know in that tax bracket so to speak yet. <laughs> but if I ever do, then I would I would gladly send my kids to public school there. And yeah. uh, how long ago did you graduate? I graduated in uh, 2008. 2008. Okay. You know, uh, you're right, to, by the way, that there are some private schools that are also terrible. So you, you have to do your, your due diligence. Um, and some people don't take the homeschooling that seriously either. I was sitting in a Starbucks, uh, oddly enough, and uh, at the table I was sitting at was a mom who was doing her, her homeschooling in the Starbucks with her two kids. And all three of them had this venti pink, you know, uh, sugary drink. I never ordered that stuff. I ordered just coffee, just black. That's how I ordered it. And uh, she is reading through this history book, and she's just plowing through it, like, to get it done. Kids aren't even paying attention, but she's going to get it done. And I was kind of horrified by that. I thought, you know, this isn't how you do it, you know. Um, so there's there's for sure examples that doesn't work. But the other side of it, Rudy, it's not just the education. 
Uh, and I know people who are super well educated through the public schools uh, as far as math and English and science and those things. But it's the philosophies that are also being taught now about morals and about how to live life. Uh, the philosophies that we're experiencing that lead to the homeless crisis that we have, particularly in California, um, is taught in schools so often. Uh, it's philosophical. The, we talked yesterday about the, the issue at, the, uh, at Stanford Law School. This is law school. These are the future elites of our society, supposedly, who are screaming and yelling at a federal judge because he decided something that they didn't think was right. And, you know, it's made national news and it's hurt Stanford. The Stanford administration is trying to uh, figure out how to respond to it. They're not doing a great job, but they've probably heard from donors saying we don't want to be represented by these kids, but it's probably half the class. That's another piece of it. It's philosophical where where we are losing it here as as a culture. Rudy, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go to another uh, another caller, but thanks for calling Southern California Live. Appreciate that. Barbara in Huntington Beach, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Thanks for taking my my call. Yeah. Um, I'm calling because I actually am an educator at public schools, and I'm a Christian, and yeah. a couple things. I think that Christian educators, they look at Yes, we have certain things that, you know, are given to us to teach, but we also have lots of flexibility. Every public teacher has flexibility. But as Christian teachers, I think we we look at what we're teaching to our, our students. Um, we look through it with a different set of eyes. Mm. Um, but as far as test scores are concerned, and I know that that was one of the things that you were talking about, is um, a lot of it comes down to um, parents because um, when I look at kids where I teach and I look at the scores at my school compared to schools in other areas, there's a big difference. And when parents are more involved with their children, you have a different set of test scores. Also, um, people's, um, lots of families, because they're immigrants and they don't speak the language, and I can tell you the test are lots of reading. The math tests yeah. are lots and lots of reading. Word problems. And a, a, right. And a child that can't read can't do the math test. Do they know their multiplication tables? Most likely they do. Yeah. But can they perform on the test because of the language barrier? That makes a big difference. It's there a huge well. difference. And, you know, I think that we know right. that, but I don't, I feel like we are not focusing our time in public education to help the kids who need the most help. Uh, and I agree okay. with you. On, I agree with you on parents, by the way. And that's true even in the private school. My kids are in private school. Yeah. And there are some kids who are in trouble. And the reason is their parents. Uh, right. You know, and that is, that's one thing that's hard to a lot of time talk about in the press. Yeah. You know, um, it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult, you yeah. know, so it's, it's, kind of easy to target teachers saying that we're not doing our jobs. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's something, and every time it comes up on our show, you know, uh, and I want to be really clear to uh, teachers like yourself that uh, I do support you and what you're doing. Um, and that the church, even if you decide, I'm, I'm somebody who thinks you probably should take your kids out because of the philosophy, uh, the education, especially if you've got that going on, but some of the philosophies that you're not personally teaching, 
you know, but in so many schools, the books that they're getting and the philosophies that people are coming out with in graduation, uh, particularly high school, is is super bad and harmful. It's just harmful to the kids and harmful to the uh, the country ultimately. However, yeah. like I say, you know, the public schools are inevitable. And at the end of the day, what needs to happen is we need to get back into making our public schools a place that uh, flourishes with truth uh, and education. And people yeah. like yourself are on the front lines of that. And I thank you for that. You're welcome. And I know it's difficult. Are you aware of an, uh, an organization called uh, Christian Educators? I have actually heard of it. I may have heard about it on your um, radio station in the past, but yes, I have looked at it, yes. Yeah, it's christianeducators.org. I recommend it because they, they help support you as a Christian teacher in the public school because the, the truth is is you might be in a good environment now, but there there are things coming where your faith is going to be challenged, where your, right. your position, your role is going to be challenged. Um, we're seeing that in other states, in Arizona and in Texas now. There are organizations that are now refusing to give credentials to graduates from Christian universities. Oh, uh, that's very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, simply because of, not because of their ability as teachers, but because of the philosophy that you're taught in a Christian school that says that uh, boys are boys and girls are girls. Uh, right. That, that's the main one. So this organization, I, I plug it. Uh, they don't pay me any money or anything, but uh, we've had them on the show before, but... You know, I want people to realize that there's options for kids and for your schools, but public schools are inevitable, and there are a lot of Christian teachers in our public schools, and they need our prayers and support, and uh, they also need uh, an organization to help them. And there might be other organizations. This is the one that I know about. Uh, right. ChristianEducators.org. Thank you, uh, Barbara, for what you do and for calling Southern California Live. You're welcome. All right. This is Southern, uh-huh. this is Southern California Live. Scott Furrier, your host. When we come back... Um, President Biden had an epiphany, and uh, I want to talk about that, too, with the reality of what it means for our kids and policies, particularly related to gender and gender surgeries. And uh, it's something that we have to stand up about uh, wherever you're at uh, politically on either side. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back to Southern California Live. Hey, uh, President Biden had an epiphany in an interview on Comedy Central, which is kind of funny, right? But it's the Daily Show, and uh, Cal Penn was interviewing him. Actually, Biden was, interestingly to me, kind of looser than he often is, but he had some things to say that I think that we need to listen to in particular because part of it has to do with our kids and what's happening to our kids, particularly in the gender area. But listen to this. This was his epiphany. He, epiphany. he was asked about his evolution uh, on same-sex marriage. This is what he said. This is what he said. I can remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was a... I was a senior in high school, and my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked to my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. 
Now, that's what he began. He began this conversation by saying that. By the way, Joe Biden graduated from high school in 1960. All right. He graduated from high school. I'm just going to try to do the math here. 63 years ago this year, 63 years ago, he graduated from high school. Um, President Biden, by the way, is closer in in age to his own. No, he's closer in age to President Lincoln's second inauguration than he is to his own inauguration. Which I just think is just an interesting thing, right? How, <laughs> how that is. Uh, did he really have that uh, epiphany in 1960? I doubt it. And uh, I just, you know, I just feel like he didn't. And I'm going to explain why. And this is the deal. This isn't going to be about uh, gay marriage exactly. It's about how our society and how people, particularly on the, the far left of this conversation, are acting like today, and this is something that you also have to be aware of all the time, are acting like this is the way it's always been. Like he is suggesting here in this conversation that this is what he has always thought. Okay, he goes on to say this. It's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's whether it's same-sex or a heterosexual couple. You should be able to be married. What is the problem? Now, he says, what is the problem? Now, what is important for us to realize here is that everybody, including Joe Biden, had a problem with it uh, 12 years ago. Everybody. Did you know, did you realize this? Maybe, maybe you don't, but every presidential candidate, Republican and Democrat, until 2012, all of them uh, thought that marriage was between a man and a woman. Every single one of them. And one of the movements going on in the early 2000s was people on the right wanted to have a constitutional amendment defining marriage as between one man and one woman. And people on the left were kind of against the constitutional amendment side of things. President Biden expressed frustration that that was the conversation in 2006 because he thought that uh, he wasn't President Biden, then he was just Senator Biden, uh, because uh, he thought that uh, there were other things more important. This is what he said on uh, Tim Russert's show, uh, the late Tim Russert's show on uh, Sunday morning. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look. You know, he voted for it. It sounded a little funny right there, but he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which defined, which is a law that defined marriage as between one man and one woman. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? So in 2006, he's asking, what's, why does anybody have a problem with this? But in 2023... It's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's same sex or a heterosexual couple. You should be able to be married. What is the problem? See, when it's the what is the problem is the question that I'm asking, because he knew what the problem was a few years ago. And uh, so did President Obama. Let's try to avoid nuance, Senator. Do you support gay marriage? No, Barack Obama nor I support redefining from a from a civil side what constitutes marriage. That was in the 2008 campaign. If you remember in 2008, uh, Barack Obama, then Senator Obama, uh, was on the stage at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren and uh, he gave this statement, 2008, so this is uh, 15 years ago. I believe that marriage uh, is the union between a man and a woman. Now for me as a Christian, for me, 
for me as a Christian, it's also a sacred union. Uh, you know, God's in, in the mix. Um, but uh... This is Hillary Clinton, by the way, in 2004. This is what Hillary Clinton had to say. I believe that marriage is not just a bond, but a sacred bond between a man and a woman. I have had occasion in my life to defend marriage, to stand up for marriage, to believe in the hard work and challenge of marriage. So I take umbrage at anyone who might suggest that those of us who worry about amending the Constitution are less committed to the sanctity of marriage or to the fundamental bedrock principle that it exists between a man and a woman going back into the mists of history as one of the founding, foundational institutions of history and humanity and civilization, and that its primary principal role during those millennia has been the raising and socializing of children for the society into which they are to become adults. Now that is the correct answer. That is the answer from a secular point of view. There's a, you know, there's a Christian answer uh, that Barack Obama touched on in his 2008 answer. The Christian answer is God created us male and female and he created marriage and what it is for. And we see that develop throughout scripture and uh, what marriage is for. Hillary is also giving the social answer. And this is important. And because when we're talking about marriage, and now we're talking about gender just a few years later. Nobody was really into the gender thing back then, not like it is now. It was in the philosophy departments that they were teaching your kids. Okay, you're, you, the young people in 2004, when Hillary is saying that, are being taught something completely opposite of what she just said. And the movement to tear the family apart was being taught in many of the schools, particularly the uh, higher education. But what Hillary said about the purpose of marriage there for the society, for the raising of kids, for discipline, all of that fits into the conversation we were having in the last segment, too, about uh, about education, about the role of parents. We heard from a teacher who called in and said, you know, a lot of the difficulty with the test scores and other things is parents. Why do you think today we have these bad test scores and we have so many different problems? It's because we have taken the purpose of parents out of the conversation. And I'm not blaming gay people, by the way, for this, okay? Gay people didn't make this decision. Uh, They might have been for it, but there's not that many of them, okay? We took it out. We, as in American citizens, we, we took this out. And the debate back then was lots of people on the right said, this is falling apart. We need a constitutional amendment. Turns out they were right because what they saw coming uh, is where we are today. And the idea that if you undid the definition and the social purposes of marriage and you turned it into, okay, just two people love each other and love is love and the things that we say today, you take away the purpose of it for the building of a country, for the building of a nation. Everything that Hillary Clinton just said there in that clip, which was correct, when you break that down, you break down the whole country. And uh, Barack Obama was against that amendment also. This is him again at Saddleback in 2008. Although he is against gay marriage, this is what he said about the amendment. Would you support um, a a constitutional amendment with that 
uh, that definition? No, I would not. Why not? And because, because historically, because historically we have not defined marriage in our Constitution. It's been a matter of state law. That has been our tradition. Now, I mean, let's break it down. The, the reason that people think there needs to be a, a constitutional amendment, some people believe, is because uh, of the concern that, uh, 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 about same-sex marriage. Uh, I am not somebody who promotes same-sex marriage, but I do believe in civil unions. I do believe that we should not, uh, th that for a gay partners to want to visit each other in a hospital, mm -hmm. for the state to say, you know what, that's all right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think in any way inhibits my core beliefs about what marriage are. Mm -hmm. uh, I think my faith is strong enough and my marriage is strong enough that I can afford those civil rights to others, even if I have a different perspective or a different view. Three years after that, his core values and core opinions changed on this subject. Three years after that. That's extraordinary. And here we are today where you have President Biden who agreed with President Obama. President Obama, by the way, is a constitutional lawyer. It's interesting when you think about the context of what he just said there about uh, states and uh, the Constitution, how it works. And uh, that, by the way, would support what the, uh, the government did. I think, you know, he would take that same thing and place it over the uh, Roe decision the summer that he would agree that it's a decision for the states. Nonetheless, he, he would never say that today, I think. And then once again, you have Biden wondering what the problem is with gay marriage. It's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's whether it's same sex or a heterosexual couple. You should be able to be married. What is the problem? Now, I'm sharing this with you for this reason. He is asking you, what's the problem with it? He knew darn well what the problem was just a few years ago. And I'm telling you this because we need to be confident when we think about the values that we hold dear, whatever they are, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to seek the scriptures and seek the Lord and those kinds of things. But the direction of our country is, and the direction in particular, not just with President Biden, but with the academic people who he's reaching out to, the audience he thinks he's talking to in that, that conversation, they want to act like Everybody has thought this forever, and you people are evil and full of hate, and uh, the president is going to expound on that when we come back from the break. I'll play you the clip of what he says next, and my friends, do not be deceived. Just a handful of years ago, all of these guys had a different opinion and were able to speak intelligently about it. And things have changed very quickly. Do not think that you're crazy for thinking that. You're not. Good thing that we've got this audio here. You want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Southern California Live will be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. It's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's whether it's same-sex or a heterosexual couple. You should be able to be married. What is the problem? That was President Biden on The Daily Show and being interviewed about his evolution of his thinking of gay marriage in particular. The next part of the question was about gender-affirming care for children, not for adults, but for children. Now, 
we before the break we were talking about how when when the president says what's the problem with this thinking it's something that he knew what the problem was just a few years ago and in the last segment if you missed it we played quotes from him and from president obama and hillary clinton um every candidate every presidential candidate before 2012 uh, had a very clearly enunciated statement about uh, gay marriage or about marriage between a man and a woman. There's hardly any conversation about transgender stuff and the different genders. You didn't hear about that stuff uh, unless you were in the philosophy departments and in the uh, some of the studies in higher education. Those people have now graduated, and that's where we are. So the president, when he says that, and he and he, and the point really isn't about President Biden because he's one voice of many who are asking you to think, hey, what's your problem? You are a bad person and you're a hater for thinking something that every human being mostly has thought for forever until recent years. And then this is where he goes with it, talking about uh, uh, the the care for children. Uh, it's called gender-affirming care that involves puberty blockers or even surgeries for minors uh, to have a sex change, basically. Don't wait. Uh, transgender kids is a really harder day thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is I don't know. It's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. He's talking about having federal legislation that would encourage this, what's called gender-affirming care, meaning that if you're a child and you want to become a boy or become a girl, you just want to change your, your gender, that there are medications that you do. You've probably heard a lot about this, but what I'm getting at here is what the president is doing and many voices like his is to make you think that you uh, are just wrong on the subject something that he would not have agreed with just a few years ago i'll bet if this came up in the 2020 election just his last election i bet he would have a different opinion because we weren't even talking about this then that was hardly it was becoming a thing it was under the radar but do you know that in other countries, other progressive, for lack of a better word, European countries, they're backing off these treatments? It is an extraordinary thing that the United States is leading the way at pushing these treatments on kids when Western and Northern Europeans generally see uh, this gender affirmation, drugs and surgeries leading to uh, medical interventions that are seen now as unethical and dangerous. England, Sweden, Finland, other countries have abandoned their gender affirmation for minors, for kids, in the last three years, where we are moving forward, fast forward on all of it. Other countries, England, Ireland and Italy, are now raising concerns and backing off of these things. Why is it that our country is moving in this direction? Why is it that we are a country that is promoting something medically that even other progressive countries don't want to do? That the studies actually overall are against. The studies are showing that the childhood onset of gender incongruence or fluidity or whatever it is you want to say, almost all of it 
almost in every single case resolves on its own uh, by adulthood in almost every case. And yet when a kid decides, hey, I think I'm the other gender, and President Biden says, oh, it's not like they just wake up. You know what? Actually, there are many people who go through a lot of childhood with this thought, and there's, there's, there is a reality to a lot of that. But a lot of what's happening right now, a lot of what is happening right at this moment is people are just waking up and saying, you know what? I want to be this. And they can go to some clinic and some psychologist who barely graduated, who's still getting their hours or something, can say, oh, you think you're the other sex and sign a piece of paper and then you can go start to get uh, drugs that you'll have to be on that will start you on a medical treatment for life. That's what's happening in the United States. And, you know, it is something that the reason I'm telling you that is not even to be critical of Biden, except to point out that he is the president and he's saying things that I don't think he would have agreed with just a few years ago himself. And I think he's saying it because uh, he is beholden to, I think, people, not even people, mostly people who even voted for him. I don't think if you voted for him, I think most of you who voted for President Biden, you don't agree with him on this. That's what I think. I think you, you, you're maybe struggling with what to do. You have to reject this. This is going after kids. This isn't right and left. It's on my mind a lot, friends, because I'm looking at what's happening to kids, and I'm looking at the other things that are going on in the world today where, you know, the, the drag show things, it's, it's shocking to me that anybody's defending that. It would be the same as sending strippers to your kid's high school. You know, it's something that even just a few years ago, you would probably get arrested for, for doing or sending your kid to it. And yet we have video after video after video of parents taking their little tiny kids four years old, five year olds, and having a man dressed as a woman gyrating sexually in front of them. And it is, this is happening everywhere in the United States. It is something that we have to speak out against now. Okay. And, you know, it's one thing to be against it. We have to be for children. It seems to me that just a short time ago, everybody would have thought this is bad for children that everybody would have thought that explicit sexuality, pornography, other things would be bad for children. And indeed, I think most of us do think that. I think most of us on the right and left all think that. I think almost all of us think that, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, I look at these things going on and I go, man, there's a awful, awful lot of kids in this. I mean, it's a handful, right, that you see, but I just can't imagine it. My friends, wherever you are, do not be convinced that you're wrong on this subject. Meaning that if you believe that these things are not appropriate for children, just because maybe your side of the argument is supporting them, they're wrong. And when they tell you what's wrong, what's the problem, go back in time for their own words and you'll discover that they understood what was wrong with it. And I know some people might argue and they might say, well, you know what, they were just saying that because that was the way the political winds were blowing. You know, that might be true, uh, you know, and clearly the political winds change, uh, you know, and President Trump included in this. He changed his mind on uh, not the gender stuff, but the gay marriage stuff over time also. My friends, do not be confused at the idea that there is a holiness that is necessary, something that works for us to be as healthy as possible. We all have trouble. Everybody listening to this has, knows somebody or, or they themselves have been harmed 
by uh, something in the sexual area where in that area you got outside of the biblical norm. Every one of us knows that. Most of us, it's, we're talking about ourselves. It's a powerful thing. And the fact that we are putting it upon children today is horrific. We have to stand up against that. I think it's one of the greatest things. You know, last hour we talked about upcoming potential of war and difficulty and all of this other stuff. Uh, You know, our world, I think, you know, when we look at the, the bank failures and stuff, our world, just like this, can just change in a moment to what is real, to what is reality. We have to be grounded in it, my friends. This is why you should stay in prayer. This is why you should stay in, uh, in your Bible. This is why you need to be in a Bible-believing church somewhere. You need to be known. You need to be in the church. You should be connected with people because this is your support. This is how you aren't swayed when you see people telling you that you're crazy for things. It's called gaslighting is the idea. Gaslighting is a term that gets thrown around a lot. But what gaslighting actually is, it's a form of psychological manipulation. When a person tries to sow seeds of doubt in your mind uh, about something that's in your own memory or perception or your sanity, right? It comes from a, a movie in 1944. There was a movie called Gaslight. And in that movie, the husband tries to drive his wife insane by dimming the lights, which were powered by gas in that home. They were powered by gas by dimming the lights every so much every day. And when she would say, I think the lights are getting dim, he would tell her, no, they're not. And he was trying to drive her crazy. That's what's happening when people try to tell you that something is true today um, and it was true back then when it wasn't true back then. We should not be participating in that ourselves. But my friends, take a look and be strong in this area. Uh, There are deceptions that are happening all across the board and as Christians, we can't be deceived. That's what Jesus told us. A lot of people think this is uh, the end times, right? Well, when Jesus was asked about it, he didn't give a whole lot of details at first. The first thing he said is, don't be deceived. The thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. That's why you're deceived. And when people try to deceive you, uh, it's because they know it can work. Don't let it work. Stay with the Lord. Get in church. Be a part of a Christian community and follow Jesus and trust in him for everything. All right, uh, that's the end of that for today. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow from 3 to 5 on Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. God bless. Have a great evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.